Welcome to the FSF Podcast Crossover Connection bonus episode. Welcome to a very special edition of the FSF Podcast. We're calling this the Crossover Connection. It's the first of a very new and exciting line of shows that we're hoping to bring to you. Each and every Wednesday, we're hoping to present to you another podcast that we work closely with that we think that you, our audience, would enjoy. Today, we present to you Science Fiction Remnant, a collection of nerds just like us who love science fiction. We strongly encourage you to not only listen to this episode, but then go find their show on Apple Podcasts and give it a follow. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Remnant. And uh, today we have a treat for you guys. Um, We got the funny science fiction podcast to talk about this Star Trek movie with us. (laughs) (laughs) The best Star Trek movie. The best Star Trek movie (laughs) ever made. Um, So for all of you guys, and, and I'm not sure if, um, you know, if our listeners by now that you should have heard from you guys, if you listen, if you actually follow our tweets, but uh, for all of our listeners who have not heard of you guys, um, can you guys, you know, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself? You know, what is your show about? Where they can find them, and 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 introduce each one of you. Sure, uh, I was uh, elected with a coin flip before the. Uh, Actually, I was voluntold. Okay, so I'm Tim. I was, yes, I, I am Tim. I'm, I'm one of the three hosts of a funny science fiction podcast. And so the premise of our show is to not take science fiction so seriously. We like to have a laugh. We like to have fun. We like to joke around. And when we have, so on our weekly recorded show, that is an interview-based style show where we have different people come on, whether uh, recently we've talked with Sam Whitwer, the voice of Darth Maul. We've talked with uh, Taylor Gray, the voice of, of Ezra Bridger from Star Wars Rebels. We've had Cameron by Kendova, uh, the, the actress who plays uh, Selena Kyle in the TV show Gotham, and, and a bunch of others. Um, so our whole premise is, is to share some laughs with them. We, we do ask some serious questions, of course, but we also... We slide in the silly or, uh, dare I say, stupid questions as well, uh, just to have some fun, kind of mix it up, shake it up a little bit. And then on Monday nights, every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time, we have a, except for the tomorrow, of course, uh, we have our, our live show where it's completely opposite. It's uh, it's a live show. It's a panel discussion where uh, it's it's almost an anything goes. It's, it's Where chaos it, reigns. Chaos does rain. Uh, so, yeah. But, yeah, I'm Tim. As long as it's not the rain of fire. Could be. <laughs> I make no promises. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's glorious and sometimes it's train wreck. And you never know what you're going to get until you're in the middle of the show, which is kind of fun. And we, but then we always feel better when we rally towards the end. We're like, yes, we pulled this off. <laughs> we, we didn't die. Yeah. yeah. And if you stay to the absolute end, we do the MIB flash thing on you so you forget everything. So Exactly, which that is, is true. the only way yeah. that we have people coming back the next week. Yeah, they don't remember. So, yeah. They've gotten the nonsense they saw the week before. Yes. So and Tim so has already introduced himself. I'm Kathleen. I am the newest of the hosts. I've just celebrated my first anniversary with the show. Awesome. Yay. But it's been a year already. It's been a year already. 
Nick's like, Nick's it's been like, so oh long, God, I can't Nick's believe it's been a year. It's only been a year with her. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a year already. I am definitely the chaos bringer to the group, but that's part of the fun. Just a little bit. I know all about chaos. I work on a live stream every weekend called Radio Chaos. So. Oh, there you go. You know, you, know just, about that. you have to bring it in. And sometimes my my chaos on Monday nights is definitely fueled by the truly in my hand, and it makes it better. He's <laughs> <laughs> a personality enhancer. Hey, look, you putting duct tape on your on your on your beer and calling it a personality enhancer does not make it that. <laughs> yes, it does. I have labeled it as such, and so there it is. Speaking of which, Robert, have you got your standard glass of scotch there at the moment? Well, today I'm having a wine. Ooh, he's moved up market. Many much. Better. I was going to say I saw the wine glass, and I was like, if he's drinking scotch out of a wine glass, that's just fancy. You fancy. <laughs> no, I have one of those uh, whiskey glasses for that. There you go. It might be booze oh, clock for you guys. Just... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Nick, a.k.a. Blade, or a.k.a. Stash. Um, a.k.a. I Mr. Bring... Editor Man. Yeah, I also do the editing for the show, and uh, also one of the co-hosts, and Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I do the editing for hours. I, I, He's the one I sympathize. Who tried to keep us in line. <laughs> yeah, there was one time he edited the entire uh, show out and we had to do it again. Yeah. That was We've a good one. before. <laughs> <laughs> it was better the next time. Oh. We, we practiced. There you go. Sometimes practice is good. Yeah, yeah. it might be booze o'clock where you guys are, but uh, it's morning down here in Australia, so uh, no booze. Oh. Irish it's coffee. Cold. It's noon it's somewhere. From the Irish. So. It's five o'clock, a couple hours east of here. There you go. All good. <laughs> nice. So if, for all of you who have not listened to the podcast, you should go ahead and download it. It's amazing. And I was actually yes, I showed up in one of their episodes. Um, and I have a lot of fun. So yeah, you guys should go pick up um, on your uh, any. I believe you guys are um, anywhere podcasts are available, right? Yeah, you can find us any anywhere wherever your favorite podcast uh, audio podcast provider is. Also, we have a YouTube channel. Please go subscribe there. Uh, you can watch all of our interviews and replays of our live show. Actually, our live show is actually streamed to our YouTube channel as well. So, and then of course you can find us uh, on any social media site at as at Funny Sci-Fi, all one word. Awesome. Awesome. We also have the Facebook group that started the podcast, which is at 201,000 members. Yeah, yeah, 201,000 members right now. Wow. So nice. Yeah. Nice. It's a little crazy. And if you love memes, that's the place to go. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, as long as you can follow the rules because the admins are tired. <laughs> and drinking truly with words duct taped to the side of the can. But. It works, Tim. <laughs> try it sometimes. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> nice. Okay, so I guess we can move on to our first segment. Define science fiction remnant. Okay, and in this segment, um, 
basically the question is, how would you describe our show to someone that likes sci-fi and you think they might like our show? Um, and this came across from a conversation that I had on Twitter, how we're technically not a review podcast. Um, so basically, I, I post this on Twitter. So if you want to be featured in one of our episodes, just go ahead and respond whenever I post um, those questions. And you might be um, the next one on the and one of our future episodes. Um, for this episode, I have Angelus, uh, where he says, what fans of sci-fi actually sound like. And I'm going to nice. p- open it up to you guys if you have any any comments on that or if you want to. Um, well, sure. Um, if you don't mind, I'll jump in. Go ahead. Uh, so one of the things, I, you know, I have, I've been able to listen to a few episodes. And one of the things I like about your guys' show is that it's it's very, I don't want to say mild, Okay, but but a lot of times when people start talking about theories, they get really worked up and they get almost to the point where it's no longer a discussion. It's it's an argument with, you know, the invisible person on the other side of the microphone from them. And so what I like about your show is that for me, it's it's a discussion of about about shows. It's like you said, it's not really a review show, but it's a discussion about shows and theories where there's actual discussion. It's not. Uh, I'm going to shout over top of you until until my voice is the only one that's heard, and so I do like that. Thank you, thank you, I, I, and yeah, we and, and you know Ray is a lot more familiar with this, but uh, since the beginning, me and Giancarlo always try to keep uh, negative negativity out of the show to the point that um, even if there's an episode that um, we don't like, um, we we rather not you know not do it at all. So uh, I, that makes me feel good that you actually noticed that because that's one of the intents on our show. Um, yeah. Did you just speak his name and he appeared? Yes. Like, you, know, you summoned. I summoned. Giancarlo? I summoned the Giancarlo. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> uh, he he might have. He, he, he might be G. having some de- technical difficulties. So um, I'm, I'm, you know, is there ever a day he's not? <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and move to the next segment. We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Monorats. We are One Accord Level 2 Podcast. This is Sci-Fi. And just like in every every other episode that we have done, um, this is where we discuss the hashtag, this is sci-fi. Uh, and if you hear from that clip that we play every, in every episode, um, we have the funny science fiction podcast there too. So, uh, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so... The, the whole idea for uh, this is uh, sci-fi um, hashtag is um, I, I was kind of one wanting to join up um, all the not just sci-fi fans, uh, but sci-fi creators, not just podcasters, um, but also writers, uh, you know, movie makers, um, anybody that produces that is a sci-fi um, uh, 
creator um, or sci-fi fan under one hashtag. It kind of came from those old sci-fi commercials. I don't know if you're familiar with those where they they ran this, um, and at the end they would say, like, this is sci-fi. Um, so I had the idea to, to do this because it, it's so much fun to be able to collaborate with other individuals about something that we love so much. And in the mm -hmm. process, we discover so much um, that we don't know about. And and that's one of the cool things that I noticed in the past on the This Is uh, Sci-Fi hashtag is that I've seen people discovering new properties that, w that they would not be you know aware of normally. And also, I see how there's comparison between properties where you have two fan bases talking together about their property and finding commonality between the two. And, and whenever I see that, it just tickles my fancy. It's, it's amazing. And, and that's basically the idea behind, behind my thought of having that hashtag where we can all join forces. And if you're a sci-fi fan, that's where you would go. Um, I, I usually move on to Ray um, and see his thoughts on that. Um, I don't know what he had discovered this week um, in the hashtag. I'm always on the hashtag, um, and I'm always posting different things. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go around and see if you guys have encountered anything on that hashtag. You can go ahead and keep uh, and bring your comments too. And also, what does that hashtag means to you as a sci-fi fan? Um, right. Uh, well, I must admit that I, I haven't been keeping a close eye on it this week. I was a little busy with a few other things in RL. But um, as I've reiterated multiple times, I, I do love that hashtag in that it draws people with a love of science fiction together. And, of course, that ties into the movie that we're going to be talking about today because it is about fandom. Uh, in, a, in a major part of the, the themes of the movie. So I feel that the, this is sci-fi hashtag and, and the topic this week are, are very well aligned. Awesome, awesome. And if you guys want to mention anything about it, uh, feel free. If not, we can move on to the next uh, segment. Sorry, I was just looking at the thread of the hashtag on Twitter. And one of the things that has amused me is um, the this is sci-fi and the different droids and robots that we have seen through sci-fi, anything from R two D two to Bender, and I, I think it's cool that you get even in a a robot in a droid, you have so much variety that it doesn't matter if it's telling you Danger Will Robinson or telling you to kiss its shiny metal ass, it's still sci-fi. Yes, it's still sci-fi. <laughs> there you go. Tim's like, you only said that so that you could say ass on the air. Yes, yes, I did. Yes, I know exactly why you said what you said. I know you. I've been around you Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, danger. <laughs> and you know, I, I that, think for me. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I was just going to say briefly, I, and that's one of the points that I love the most, what you brought up, is the fact that, you know, we, with that hashtag, we kind of get outside that little bubble and mm -hmm. we can explore different fandoms. So if yeah. you're not, You know, if you're like a, a Star Trek fan and, and you never heard anything about or you haven't crossed over to the Star Wars, um, you get to hear that. You get to hear Galactica. You get to hear all the other fandoms. And, and, and hof hopefully you can hear 
some sort of similar, sim, um, something similar to your fandom that pulls mm, you yeah. up and say, you know, now I'm curious. Right, and, and I think that, that is that is a cool thing about sci-fi too is that even within the fandoms, there is so much overlap, and there are there are callbacks to other sci-fi's within sci-fi shows. Even there are Doctor Who references in Futurama. There are Star Wars references in Doctor Who. There's Star Wars references in Star Trek. I mean, they're just they bounce every which way because it is all interconnected because it is all sci-fi and the typical sci-fi nerd likes all of it. Awesome. Nothing's created in a bubble. No. Correct. No, there was So by the transitive property, Star Trek is Star Wars. It is. <laughs> It is. There is. I don't remember where it is, but I remember there's a Star Wars reference in a Star Trek thing. I don't remember where, but I remember that it, it exists to, somewhere. To, to, to quote Shakespeare, pump thine brakes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, we've, already, we've already seen how Dune is actually Star Wars, so. Right. Sand and Spice Trades. <laughs> and the Sin Samurai. Holy it seal. gets everywhere. Also, it's annoying. So, so that's where they get the spice from. Exactly. Exactly. Well, there's spice <laughs> trains as well. Yeah. Clearly from Kissel. <laughs> but I feel like, too, with sci fi, I mean, writing in general is a lot like with music. You only have a certain number of notes, but there are so many different varieties that you can make with those notes. Right. So with sci fi, we only have so many concepts of what the future is like, what time travel is like, what these what we're going to be able to do with technology. And it's just how you display that technology is what makes your sci-fi different. But it is also yeah. written it's, from... It's always thing. interesting when people take a different note, you know, mm-hmm. and expound on that. And, and they they kind of, they take a different vision of it. And, you know, whereas it may have similarities to something else that's been done, you know. Um, but but it's, like, like one of my favorite things on, on sci-fi right now has been on Apple... Uh, Apple TV Plus has been the foundation and I've been watching that over and over again and I've just it's not technically uh, you know uh, a new sci-fi I mean that's it's Asimov I mean it, it's right. it's a little it's a little back you know it's been back there a little ways but the show itself and the way that they're doing things there are there are clearly you know the, the sci-fi tropes that are, are standard for, for many shows that we've watched and we've seen and, and all this different but this is sci-fi. This is what sci-fi looks like. It's it's something new. It's, it's something that's pushing the boundaries and the envelopes. And to me, that's what sci-fi is. The the sci-fi that sits in the same in the same chair and doesn't move itself forward, doesn't try to become something new or better, gets left behind. And to me, that's what sci-fi is. So when I think of the hashtag "This is sci-fi," I'm looking for something that's that's new and that's different, and something that maybe I haven't been exposed to before. But still oddly and, comforting. Yeah, so for like like a perfect example for me for this other than foundation uh, clearly which I just mentioned was now before the the use of the this is sci-fi hashtag I had never been I never watched Alita's Battle Angel never cared to watch Alita's <gasps> Battle Angel yeah I yeah I know <laughs> you're, but, you're, you're talking to one of the the prime motivators of the uh, Alita Army I'm I'm the host of the the live stream for the Alita Army so yeah I'm just, so. So I'm getting there. It's but because of that, because of that that hashtag, that's something that I've I has now got my attention, and I'm I'm paying it, you know, and, I, and I'm looking, at, you know, I'm watching, and you know, 
frankly trying to get some of the people from that movie on our show and you know and hoping we you know we can make that happen i know how tricky that is we haven't been told no yet so i mean technically the possibility is still there that's even like i feel like i can make things worse because tim's just getting into it and i had never heard of it until just now yeah, it's amazing. And, and I'm kind of curious to see what you guys think. Kathleen gets kicked out in five, four, three. <laughs> so after... It only took you a year to realize I'm a faker. <laughs> I am a speaks in spaceships. I just wonder. <laughs> Ask me for as I, as I was looking through that thread, I came across one of those uh, little known sci-fi things. It was Titan A.E., Oh, that's a good... Oh, yes. It's one of those movies that is, like, top-notch sci-fi, and it's got the aliens, it's got the explosions, it's it's got everything that you want in your sci-fi-type film. And I, I like being able to find, like, those little gems that are like, wait, why wasn't this more popular type thing? Right. Yeah. There's a lot of those, <clears throat> luckily. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and that's the important. I think that's, in my opinion, the importance of the hashtag, and 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 why I have no what I, I have noticed so far, and and going through the threads is is how people are discovering things. It could be old things that they never heard of before, or it could be new things that are out now. Um, <clears throat> Gia, um, can you speak? <laughs> can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. I, I mean, so badly was hoping you'd be like, Woof, good boy. Sorry. Most of the are frozen on my side. <laughs> I, think he, I think he must have sacrificed a goat to the gods of technology, and now we can hear him. <laughs> and oh, and gone. gone. <laughs> it was not a big enough goat. <laughs> Should have been a bison. It's still goat. Come on. Are you running out I'm of goats, Tim Keller? You are. Am I back yet? Yes, you are. We need to get yes. you a second I know, I know here, right? Can you guys see me? Yes, yeah. I can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we need to move. Uh, we need to help uh, Giancarlo's move to the upper floors, just like in the, the TV show Upload, because he's in the two gig uh, floors, you know? <laughs> Yeah, he's in the he's in the 9800 <laughs> floor, I think, in the basement. <laughs> I think he's in the 586k dial-up floor. <laughs> 9800 board is actually worse. <laughs> 56k was an upgrade, I remember. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know what? You're right. Yeah, you are right. Yeah. I remember those days. Uh, the days of the handshake. I remember dial-up, but that's about it. Yeah. I this was dial-up, but it was early. I don't remember the numbers. <laughs> you didn't actually dial up to the internet. You dialed up to uh, message boards. I remember the sound it made. Yeah, me too. The hand, the handshake. <laughs> bing, bong, bong. Do you remember getting oh. knocked off every time someone called you? Yes. Get Halfway through phone. that image you were downloading. Oh my God. Get off the phone! I need to call your grandmother. Dip it, dip it. I just, I just, I just got to the page I wanted, Mom. Anyway. <laughs> Oh my God! Good Try old to times. Schoolwork and it's taking six hours for Encyclopedia Britannica to load. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was looking at. 
Anyway, you look over, uh, <laughs> you look over and there's one on the, sh- on the shelf in the lounge. Well, room. yes, but I wanted the. But I don't I want to use that. I want to use the internet. Well, I wanted the updated version, not the 1980 version. I wanted the 2000s version. <laughs> Things had changed. No, they got me the one that you. The one with the fax, fax sound before connection. <laughs> Mine is the one with the fax sound before connection. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to move on to the next uh, segment. Oh, Jim Keller went ahead of us. <laughs> and and in, uh, in the shout-outs uh, section, I want to uh, bring out um, a shout-out to Cinema Recall. Um, they're always helping us out on Twitter. Um, great, great uh, podcast. If you never heard, you should go ahead and uh, pick it up. Um, they, I, sh- I actually, um, had the guys in one of the episodes for season one. So you guys can download that. And, but mainly they have helped us out, um, a lot through, um, and Twitter and they actually, um, they, they have uh, every time they, 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 um, they have any post, they actually have one of our ads running on their show. So. Uh, thank you to the guys uh, uh, to um, Cinema Recall, and also I want to point out that if you heard that this is sci-fi uh, ad, the voice for this is sci-fi at the end is Nikki from In Bed with Nikki. So thank you, Nikki, for that uh, for that recording. Um, and any of you guys want to do any shoutouts? Yeah, we were just, uh, well, I was just recently on an episode with Growing Up Skywalker. They are a fun couple, and she has never really watched Star Wars. And he is a huge Star Wars fan. So what they do is they're watching it chronologically, and they are bringing this, like, just having a discussion about the the series and when it comes to like they're even doing the clone wars cartoons and so when they they'll do those in like segments or or care or arcs and so it's just a it was just a lot of fun to hang with them and like we dive really deep into like the episodes and talk about who their favorites are and and just some of the details in each of the episodes. And I really love hearing it from someone who had never watched Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And like, this is her first go at it all the way through. And so, yeah. It's, it's always we so much to... fun to, to hear yeah. both, both opinions on a show from someone that is coming fresh into a property and someone that is, a, you know, a, a known into that property. So I, I, I love those, those kind of uh, perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, I always find it fascinating that there are people who haven't watched Star Wars, like growing up watching Star Wars. I'm like, wait, there, there are those people still exist. Yeah. They're called Irish. There, there's, there's people who, who haven't watched all of Star Trek either. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. True. Nobody here, obviously. Well, I have watched every single Star Trek there is. Every single one. Every single Star Wars there is. Um, have you watched the new one? Prometheus? The, the animated one? Prodigy? Yes, all the animes. Prodigy, Prodigy that's it. Yeah. All the animated ones. And as a matter of fact, um, 
my wife just started watching Lower Decks, mm. and she has Lower so Dex many questions. <clears throat> I'm sorry? Lower Decks is fun. Yes, yes. But she has so many questions, and, and I actually asked, told her, would you like to watch it in, in, in a timeline order? So I actually created a list, and we're going to start gonna hopefully next week we're going to start. Woo. Nice. So we're going to watch the whole thing, uh, and including animation, I'm including, and, and also the one from Kirk. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, if, I think it was in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken, that animation. Um, oh, yeah, I know that one. It was 73. Yeah, 73. Yeah. So I'm gonna, yeah. we're going to watch everything, movies, TV, uh, TV shows, everything, all in order. A timeline um, order. Timeline order. Okay. I actually have the years next to each one. Oh my goodness. So my my cousin and her husband, when they were when they were dating, he's like, So I'm a big Star Trek fan. And she's like, Okay, that's that's fine. I'm not super into Star Trek, but whatever. He's like, Okay, but I want to watch them in Star Date order with you. And I'm like, he said that, and I'm like, You're gonna what? I'm like, if, <laughs> if she makes it through watching these in star date order, marry her because nobody else is going to agree to that. <laughs> like at all. Well, my wife agreed to that. That's so awesome. We're going to, we're going to do that. And I can actually send you the list that I compiled because I try I to find, appreciate that because I would probably also watch them in star date order. <laughs> yeah. I, I try to find one and there's so many lists out there, but they, they were never complete. They were missing I like doing that with shows, though. It's fun. I've yeah. done that with, um, I did it with Doctor Who and Torchwood with release order because there are some stories that overlap. Um, doing that with Angel and Buffy, making sure that you get those in the right orders. There's, There's been a few. I did that with uh, Stargate and Stargate Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Warehouse 13 in Eureka because there's crossover episodes there too. Oh, my God. My wife is a big, huge fan of Warehouse 13. Huge. I love that show so much. She's oh, she she's telling me every single day. When are you going to record an episode on that? And I'm like, <laughs> I gotta watch this. that show. Oh, that show is amazing. I was so bummed when that one. show when they stopped that show. It was so much fun. Uh, have you guys? Because it's sci-fi. Have you guys heard of um, an anime called uh, a Certain Scientific Railgun? No. no? You should check it out. It's it, it's on um it, it's on Netflix at the moment. Um, but it it's it's very sci-fi. It's it's really interesting, and there's, it's actually a spin-off from another one uh, called um, a certain magical index, and that apparently in every single episode there's a date somewhere hidden in the episode, so you can actually date all the episodes, and there's a there's an ultimate chronological order you can watch them in. Ooh. And and um, it, it's it's quite extensive. So because there's like multiple twenty four episode uh, seasons of both of them, and there there are three there are three separate animes that connect to each other. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Because there's um, uh, a certain scientific accelerator as well. Yeah, they all connect. He, to he, start, he starts out as a bad guy, but soon turns quasi good after getting his ass kicked. Put his place. show the air. You get shown the error of your ways hard enough, you know. <laughs> well, he was unstoppable there for a while. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so we're going to move to the next segment. The Outer Random. 
And this is a segment where we um, mentioned other places that we have been in. Uh, in case you like what we have to say and you want to get a little bit more of us. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start. Um, and um, then uh, Ray. And then if you guys, uh, the funny science fiction podcast can uh, bring up another one, you guys are invited to. Um, I just um, came up on the show called The Manic Pixie Weirdo with Abigail. Um, it was lots of fun. Um, I always, I, I never say no to an opportunity um, to geek out. And that's just what we did in, in that show. So you guys, if you have not heard of The Manic Pixie Weirdo, um, go ahead and put it in your list because it's a really good show. Um, yeah. Right? Uh, well, I... I Guess I'm beginning to sound like a bit of a broken record, but of course I'm I'm on a live stream uh, every Saturday afternoon US called uh, Radio Chaos, which is the uh, official uh, Alita Army live stream, where the uh, fandom uh, that's uh, attempting to convince Disney to produce a second Alita movie, um, and uh, we're, we're hopeful that this year we might uh, hear some action. Um, as I've said in previous podcasts, um, the director, uh, Robert Rodriguez, is, uh, has said that uh, when um, The Book of Boba Fett, which he was uh, director for uh, and producer, finishes um, airing, he's going to be going to Disney with a pitch for a leader two, uh, and we're all, you know, on tender hooks waiting to hear something about that. But, uh, of course, as a fandom, our job won't finish once we've convinced uh, Disney to green light it. Then we've got to, you know, be super excited and get everybody else interested, like members of the good panel here who mm -hmm. uh, have just discovered or are about to just discover Elite Battle Angel. It is a fantastic movie. It's not perfect, but it's perfect to the people who love that sort of thing. So, it, And it is the best um, manga adaption Western manga adaption that there has been so far until Alita 2, of course. Yeah, and I did I'm, add it to my watch list. So I am going to, I'm very curious to hear from you guys after you've seen that movie. Yes. Because apparently, everyone that I know so far that have seen that movie becomes part of the Alita army right after it, did, right after it finishes. Huh. And, and, and the, what the, are the requirements? Oh, the entry bar is very low. You just have to like the movie and want a sequel. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Very we'll Very <laughs> but, uh, we, like we have a we have a live stream on YouTube uh, every Saturday afternoon US uh, Sunday morning down here in Australia, and um, this week we were talking about the manga. What is it like to live in the Badlands, which is away from the city of um, of Zalem slash the, the Scrapyard, uh, which in the movie is uh, uh, Zalem. Well. Tafari is in the in the English version of the manga, but Zalem in the movie, uh, and um, uh, Iron City in the movie, but uh, the scrapyard in the manga. They they play with the names a little bit, but basically there's a there's a huge area around it which is um, sort of desertification. Desertified is that a word? Uh, but um, it is now. Yeah, it's it's um it's basically badlands uh, if you know what the definition of that okay. is. Um, but it was an interesting discussion. We we have lots of fun. We get guests in much like this, and uh, it's a good time. So if you're at all interested in the movie or the manga of uh, Leader Battle Angel, Battle Angel or Leader is the manga. I recommend it. And uh, check so us out. If we join, do we get, like, cool T-shirts or, or at least, uh, like, shoulder patches? Well, I, I am wearing a Battle Angel T-shirt right now. Oops. Wrong way. <laughs> oh, there you go. Cool. I mean, I, got, I at least got, like, a, a business card on how to join Starfleet, so can I at least get a... 
Can I at least get a business card? <laughs> <laughs> Something to show our affiliation. Uh, Starfleet also told me it's five dollars a cool year. Hand, cool hand gesture. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. So awesome. <laughs> there you go. I I I can do that one. Yeah. Okay. So um, you guys have any any other places that you have been uh, aside from your podcast, or any of you, or? Well, yeah. Mine uh, is- Mine's kind like of a, a, a shameless plug, but also a different show. Uh, Tim and I started a show last September called Pop Culture Addicts that we have been having a blast on. Um, our first interview with that one was with Carol Baskin, who got her fame from Tiger King, um, which was an interesting way to start off a new show when she says that you can't put people in with tigers because they'll eat them bones and all. And Tim and I both kind of looked at each other with the Why do you know that? <laughs> You're not supposed to know that. But we've had some we've had some pretty fun guests. Um, Ed Bigley Jr. was our guest a few weeks ago. We've got an interesting interview coming up soon with a woman named um, Oh Pauline Irene Stacy. No, Stacy. Yeah. I don't. Yes. It's three first names, and it gets really confusing. But she has an interesting book on don't have to. T- Don't have time to clean. Listen to Pauline. That's an interesting take on cleaning your house. I was I was amused by her perspective on house cleaning. <laughs> of all things, we're on a sci-fi show and we're talking about house cleaning. But so there's that. Well, you have to be uh, cleaning space, right? You can't afford to let things get dirty. You know, I think that her cleaning method would actually work very well on a spaceship. You might shoot that one off to Elon. He might might make use of that. There you go. <laughs> it would CEO be much easier to, to clean the tops of things when you're floating. So, And uh, so recently, I, I, Kathy and I, I think Kathy and I were both on uh, a podcast called the Three Geeks Podcast. And and last last fall, uh, Nick, Kathleen, and I uh, joined them at a Comic-Con and ran some panels with them. And, uh, but yeah, so we, we've done quite a bit with three geeks podcast. They've also been on funny science fiction, uh, a few times we've had tried to get all, I think we've had, I think we've had everybody from the show on. Don't try to count um, the geeks. There are more than three. They say three <laughs> geeks. It's more like 17. We tease them all the time that they can't, <laughs> that they lost. They failed. I think it probably in third grade at, at counting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, really good show. And they they talk about sci-fi, they talk about superheroes, they talk about nerd culture, you know, you know. Why all, don't they just put around. a plus after the three? So it's three plus geeks. They should, but you know, they're stubborn too. They should say should say like three plus and then in parentheses stubborn geeks. Um, but <laughs> but it's a really good show, and uh, uh, Jason and Max and Justin and Dan and and John and. Mike McGee, yeah, there's 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 a whole slew of them over there, but they're they're all really good friends, and they we do a lot of stuff with them, and and so, uh, but yeah, always want to tell people to check them out. The reason they keep the name Three Geeks is that they can usually only get three of them to have the same schedule. True. Usually, and then there's days where suddenly it's one geek. Yeah, it's it's usually a constant rotation of geeks, and and then sometimes it'll be like, oh well, we only I only think that this person and this person's coming, so we'll be the three of us plus you guys, and then like and then magically everybody up. else. Yeah, you have a. I've I've been on their on their screens literally when we have like seven or eight people on, and that's now that's chaos. So basically, it's the Brady Bunch Square. 
Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, the first thing you ask is, who's your Alice? You know, I go from there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Just because I'm a girl. <laughs> oh. You look good in a maid's outfit, though. Question <laughs> for my husband. <laughs> okay, so um, now we can move on to the <laughs> main subject. Um, <laughs> this is funny. This is so cool. <laughs> so, um, on this episode, we are going to talk about one of the best Star Trek movies ever made. Galaxy Quest. This, uh, and I think you guys brought it up to my attention that we have never done an episode on it, and I couldn't figure out why we have done an episode on on this movie yet. But I am so glad you guys brought it up, and you guys are here to talk with us about this movie. Um, Just like the advertising for the the movie original run, it, it's gone under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. So, this movie was a lot of fun. And and I don't know, at this point, who hasn't seen this movie yet. Um, But um, it's it's just, to me, at that time, um, usually sci-fi was boxed in. Um, So, you had some, but not many properties out there, or, or TV shows, or, you know, movies, where... You know, where, where you have multiple things going on. So it's either drama or sci-fi or comedy. And and this was one of the few at that time that it had, it, it was funny and it was sci-fi at the same time. And I think that's in part why they had trouble in, in, in completing this movie uh, with the studios because they were trying to, get outside their box um do you guys i don't know if you guys agree with me or what was your experience when you saw this for the first time did you notice as me that you know this is innovative it, it when i saw it for the first time it, i was much much younger um pre-mustache yeah and it was it was just one of those like fun films that i in, really enjoyed watching and like to your point, it, it was like you keep calling it Star Trek, and it kind of is because the the guy who wrote it ended up I forget his name, but he was like thinking one day, what if the people on Star Trek had to like actually go out and do their jobs mm-hmm. as people in Star Trek? Like, because we know that it's just a TV show, but what if it actually happened? Their historical documents, Nick. Thank you very much. <laughs> they, they will be historical documents. They aren't yet. They will I was, be. <laughs> I was 29 when that movie came out. And and the first thing in my head was, you know, what it would be like to, to get a call from Captain Kirk, you know, and say, you know, uh, we're in trouble and you're the one that can help us. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and, and yeah. I think that's why people, when I say a Star Trek movie and they look at me funny, it's like, well, it has nothing to do. With, well, it kind of does, just like you said, because it's, it's 
it's about the fandom. Mm-hmm. It, the movie it, it talks, especially um, when when you're so vested into a property, it, it kind of gives you very meta. Though uh, the more I look at it, it's very meta because it's like what would happen if that favorite property that you follow is real. And, and, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you find yourself in the middle of it. And that's, and since they're, they're, they're kind of following what typically happens on a Star Trek uh, episode or movie, this is why I call it, and not just me. I mean, uh, you can coin, uh, you know, people like, you know, Data, uh, or, or um, and they, they call it a Star Trek movie because, mm-hmm. because of that reason. It's, it's all about the fandom. And, and what, it's it's just amazing to me, especially since I love sci-fi so much. Yeah. And I mean, I was... The movie came out in 99. So I was seven when the movie came out. Um, and it was... <laughs> I see you wanting to make... I see you, I see you over there, Tim. Make the face. I said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> this time. This time. You just thought it very loudly. <laughs> I heard it from over here. He's a baby. He's a baby. <laughs> Sorry. I'm good with anyway, that. Anyway, you were saying. Like, but I mean, to a seven-year-old, it was it was a fun story. It was exciting because I was still kind of in that that blur between reality and fiction. Anyway, that you have that. Well, what do you mean these characters aren't real? So it it fit a lot better with the. No, this totally could this could totally happen. This could totally be real. But then you have 29-year-old me who's looking at it with the man, that would be really cool if that was real. What if suddenly I actually heard the TARDIS landing and this this British man run up and grab, t- grab my hand and tell me to run? Hurry, like, hurry, run. If you, yeah. if you heard the if you heard the TARDIS landing, you'd look around for whose ringtone it was, basically. Right. <laughs> was my brother's ringtone for a long time but like if all of a sudden there's this dapper british man with a sonic screwdriver telling me to run i'm not gonna question it i like, would that's the master doctor who's a woman <laughs> <laughs> there's always that option but it is a it is a fun play on the not really making fun of trekkies but sort of it is sort of a, a, a strange way of honoring them of honoring yeah. the fandom with the this is how real you guys have made this. We're going to make this movie where they're real. Like, I, I feel like that's that's fun. Besides the fact that anybody who's like, well, why should I watch the movie? Alan Rickman. That's why you should watch the movie. No other. That That's like, that's yeah. just my, that's my solid answer is Alan Rickman. And it has a lot of solid lessons for mm-hmm. kids. Like I learned from. Alan Rickman's character was never give up, never surrender. <laughs> I don't know where else uh, I was going with that. But. Be, before we go too much further, should I give the rundown of the plot so that people can follow? Um, okay. Sure. Go ahead. Cool. Okay, so um, a, as you've mentioned, uh, Galaxy Quest, uh, it was um, 1999. Great, great time for... Um, Sci-fi, you know, yeah. um, The Matrix, Fifth Element, Galaxy Quest. It was all happening late late nineties. I, I really enjoyed that time for sci-fi. Uh, but um, obviously, uh, it had a pretty good cast. Tim Allen uh, had just finished his um, Tim the Toolman Taylor uh, period, so he was very well known in TVs across um, uh, Western countries. 
my father was a big fan of that show, actually. It's a fun More show. power. My father was always saying that. It was his thing. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. um, I was going to say, my husband speaks in grunts. Oh. <laughs> um, actually, let me give you a, a really quick quiz and see how much you know. Do you know what NSEA stands for? Nesbitt? It's hmm. it's the NSEA protector. I was just wondering if you know what the, the acronym National is. National Space Engineering. I don't remember. Exploration. Yeah, exploration. exploration. Okay. National Space and Exploration Administration. So it was very much almost NASA. but uh, <laughs> Totally <laughs> not NASA. Okay, well, uh, well, what about this one? Do you know what NTE stands for? This is, this is great. You should know. This is funny. Not the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it means. Not the Enterprise. That's cool. They, like want, that. they didn't want to get in trouble with the lawyers. So, you know, in case something comes up, they say, look, it's right here, not the Enterprise. We said it. Well, well, it's it's quite odd that um, DreamWorks Pictures, which has only just been start, started, um, one of the, the major players in setting that up was um, Steven Spielberg. And um, obviously it, this movie came out from Paramount, but I'm um, oh, sorry, Paramount was Star Trek, and this movie came out through through DreamWorks. So, yeah, they were they were very worried about getting pinged by the lawyers, so they, they had to... Sure. Uh, Make it really obvious in the name of the ship that it's not the Enterprise. It's so well, NTE, and that's, that's why it's there. We do something similar every week on Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We have a, uh, a silly introduction that includes what we call the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund. And we make sure that it's very clear that the uh, the this is a satire that is loosely based on something quite similar to Star Trek, but not Star Trek, so that we can't get sued. Uh <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Nick's dad wrote a book called The Custodians of the Cosmos about a young man who wanted to try to get into something quite like Starfleet, but not quite like Starfleet uh, <clears throat> for litigious reasons. And uh, he didn't make it, so he rejoined as a custodian to boldly clean up after those who boldly just went. And so, <laughs> and so every week we give that book away to one of our guests on the show, and we send it to them and, and all that kind of stuff. But... Yeah, so we had these mugs and everything made up, and, and we were very clear that it's the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund. Shameless plug. Um, nice. So yeah, it says, I gave, I to, the, to, there it is. I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund. Showed it on air. But, uh, you know, we, we make sure that, that uh, it quite like the NTE, the RSWOF, has nothing to do really with Star Trek other than the fact that there's the word Red Shirt. So. What happened when the um, the stormtroopers shot the red shirt? They, they both, both died anyway. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, both the stormtrooper anyway. missed, and the stormtrooper missed, and the red shirt died anyway. Yeah. That's what the book looks like, by the way. It's actually a fun book. It's a fun little book. You can get it on Amazon. Nice. It's quite quite enjoyable. So, shameless plug. Sorry. Anyway, you were saying. Yeah. Oh, I was saying <laughs> the plot because plot is important. Yeah, we're, we struggle <clears> with picking the plot. <laughs> the cast of an old 1980s space adventure television series, Galaxy Quest, spend most of their days attending fan conventions and making promotional appearances. Though the series' conceded former star, Jason Nesmith, thrives on attention, the other cast members, Gwen, Alexander, Fred and Tommy, resent him and, to varying degrees, the states of their careers. At a convention, Jason is approached by a group calling themselves Thermians, led by Malthazar, who requests his help. 
Jason thinks they want him for a promotional appearance and agrees. The next morning, when the Thermians pick him up, Jason is hungover and does not grasp that the Thermians are actually aliens, that uh, that he's been transported to a working recreation of the bridge of the NSEA Protector, the starship from Galaxy Quest. Believing he is on a set and must perform in character, he confronts the Thermians' enemy, the evil warlord Saris, who demands the Omega-13, a secret superweapon mentioned in the final scene of the series, which has never been used and whose capabilities are unknown. Given perfunctory order, Jason manages to temporarily <laughs> defeat Saris. Uh, it's Monday morning, you can tell, can't you? After the grateful Thermians transport him back to Earth, Jason realises the experience was real. He attempts to convince the other cast members, but is rebuffed. When the Thermian... Now, this is really hard to pronounce. Laliari, I think it is appears and requests Jason's help again. The cast, thinking it's a job, join him, including their handler, Guy, who played an ill-fated red shirt in one of one of episode of the series. So therefore he's he's one of the his family would be one of the um, recipients of that uh, fund that you mentioned. Aboard the protector, the cast learns that the guileless Thermians believe episodes of Galaxy Twist are true historical documentaries. Inspired by the crew's adventures, they have based their society and on the virtues expounded by the show and manufactured a functioning replica of the Protector. Saris returns and attacks the Protector again, and the ship barely escapes through the magnetic minefield. However, the ship's power source, a beryllium spear, is severely damaged. The humans must travel to the surface of a nearby planet for a new sphere, which they snatch from ferocious childlike aliens. When the humans return to the Protector, they discover that Saris has seized the ship and demands the Omega-13 device. They kind of skip the whole fighting the rock monster thing. Which rock, was, rock. Which, yes, rock, which was rock. very, which was very um, uh, Star Trek in, in its uh, presentation. Uh, Jason confesses that he's not the commander and shows Saris the Galaxy Quest's historical documents. Saris understands they are just actors and forces Jason to explain this to the delusion Malthazar, who he was torturing at the time. Saris activates the protector's self-destruct mechanism and returns to his ship, leaving the Thermians and the cast members to die. The humans formulate a plan to abort the self-destruct and defeat Saris' remaining troops aboard the ship. Jason communicates with Brandon, a Galaxy Quest superfan on Earth and his network of friends with intimate knowledge of the show. They talk Jason and Gwen through the ship's core to help them get to the self-destructs, uh, abort the self-destruct sequence. Meanwhile, Alexander leads the Thermians against Saris's forces as they take back control of the Protector. With renewed confidence, the crew challenges Saris and draws his ship into the magnetic minefield. This time, the Protector drags magnetic mines into Saris's vessel, destroying it. The Protector approaches Earth to begin uh, to bring the humans home, but Saris, who escaped his ship's destruction by beaming over to uh, the Protector, ambushes them on the bridge and fatally wounds several crew members. Jason manages to activate the Omega-13, which creates a 13-second time warp into the past, giving Jason and Malthazar a chance to disarm Saris before he repeats his attack. The Protector's bridge separates from the main vessel and lands the humans on Earth, while the main section of the ship carries Malthazar and the remaining Thermians into interstellar space. Uh, guided by Brandon and his friends acting as beacons, the Protector's bridge crashes into the Galaxy Quest convention during the last day of the, the convention, coming to a stop on the main stage. 
after coming through the wall of the stadium. The day's cast emerges from cheers from the fans, but Saris re-emerges to imperil them once again. Jason shoots and destroys Saris, an ecstatic crowd assumes it was all just a massive display of special effects. The cast basks in the adoration of Brandon, his pals, and their fans. Sometime later, Galaxy Quest is revived as a sequel series, Galaxy Quest The Journey Continues, with cast reprising their roles alongside Guy and Lalari as new cast members. (laughs) <laughs> I get the clap. <laughs> nice. You're muted, Tim. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Jolly good show. We had, we had Tim Allen as Jason Nevis, Sigourney Weaver as Gwen DeMarco, Alan Rickman as Alexander Dane, who played Dr. Lazarus, uh, Tony Shalhoub as Fred Kwan, who was Tech Sergeant Chen, and Sam Rockwell as Guy. Oh, gosh, that guy was funny. <laughs> Sam Rockwell did such a good job. <laughs> and uh, Daryl Mitchell as Tommy Weber, who was supposed to be a little little boy, a, a kid wonder during the original run of the show, but had grown up yeah. in the intervening time. Yep. A.K.A. Wesley. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that they have Wesley, um, well, when I say Wesley, they had the actor playing Wesley um, on the uh, documentary, and he was waxing lyrical. In fact, speaking of the documentary, which is it's on uh, Prime Video, you should check it out. Uh, there's a quote at the beginning of it. it says, in 2007, Pulitzer Prize winner David Mamet wrote a book on Hollywood. In it, he listed only four perfect films. The Godfather, A Place in the Sun, Dogsworth, and Galaxy Quest. And The Princess Bride. Oh, yes. Well, yes. <laughs> and, and Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I mean, as long as we're adding stuff onto that list, I'm just going to throw that right on there. Uh, so an interesting thing I came across while kind of looking deeper into this movie. So Tim Allen actually was given a choice or he was going to be the lead in Bicentennial Man. But he gave that up to go do Galaxy Quest. Interesting. Good choice. And yes. I was like, I am so glad Tim Allen didn't do Bicentennial Man because... Yeah. <laughs> that that movie is all... Yeah. I agree. I th- I think one of the, the things for me that, that I really enjoy most about this show is the fact that you, there's obvious, clearly clear and obvious nods to, to Trek all the way through it. But I love the fact that um, a, they didn't take themselves too seriously and they allowed the, they allowed the, the story to have, have some fun to it. Right. Because it is a comedy. Uh, it is considered sci-fi action, but there, it's very much a comedy uh, as, as well. And at heart, but I also love, and I didn't realize it back in 99 when it first came out and I saw it way back when, but I did not re- recognize or realize the strength of the casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go back and you look at that casting now, I mean, you look at it, so there's Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Justin Long, Sam Rockwell, Tony Shalhoub, Daryl Mitchell, uh, Rain Wilson is in this, um, <laughs> Kevin McDonald. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's, and you can keep going. There's Missy Pyle, um, you know, Enrico, and I can't pronounce Enrico's last name, but there's there's so many good actors in this. To get a movie like this to get casted today, it almost has to be a Marvel movie, right? Right. You know, yeah. There's this many people attached to it and this many people. Um, it's just, there's so much going on uh, with this. 
And well, the budget was only forty-five million, and which you know, is impressive, today right? that would have been that would have just been the cast members. That wouldn't have been anything else, right? Yeah, it would have been it would have been the cast members with uh, you know with a green screen behind them, and that's it. So, but yeah, you know, one of the things I, I still think to my my two favorite cast members uh, on this show are still Sam Rockwell and Justin Long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like I like everybody on the show. I think everybody plays their part really well. Um, but I love the fact of, of how how into it and nerdy and geeky Justin Long's teenage character is. You know, even when even at the end when he's trying to help uh, Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver shut down, you know, the, the ship from self destructing, and he he gets interrupted. He's got to take out the trash. Mom, yeah. I can't tell you how bad your timing is. There's a level five. You know, he's he's going through all these things. <laughs> And just he plays that character so well. And then Sam Rockwell's character, the guy who was killed, you, you know, he reminds everybody that oh, I was only on one episode. I was killed off and I was this and I was that. And he wants so desperately to be involved in the show until he's on the ship. And then he's like, yeah. I think he faints like four times. Yeah, <laughs> he does. The, he, his character re- reminds me a lot of me at the time. I, I mean, okay. look, look at this, for example. This is just a sample of the kind of books that I had that I still have that I bought. I was really into, like, I don't know if you can see behind me, but I have. So it it, it, it connects. It, I, I like to think that, you know, it, it just like it connected with me. There you go. Nice. There you go. <laughs> just like it connected to uh, with me. It, it I like to think that it connected with a lot of people. And I, I like to say that that is kind of like the recipe for success for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that most of these people, like I know one of the guys, I can't remember his name, he went into work on Star Trek stuff. And, and you know, they, they all are Star Trek, Star Trek fans. And they mm-hmm. were very careful because I remember at that time there was a stigma um, around you know being nerdy around Star Trek. I mean, I used to go to conventions dressed in the uh, Enterprise um, uniform, and um, they were very careful because they were all Star Trek fans to make sure that this movie was fun and in and, and it it's a an homage to mm-hmm. to yeah. what it was to be a Trekkie or Trekker, uh, right. which, however you identify yourself with. You know, I and I also think that, you know, you look at when this movie was released and, and now where we're at today, without Galaxy Quest, I really don't think there's an Orville. Yes. No. Oh, yeah. Galaxy Quest was like the, the primer for it, Orville. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because, you know, so, you know, I I often think that when McFarlane was pitching Orville, they said, well, what do you want to do the show like? And he just hold up, he held up a poster of Galaxy Quest, this, but, you know, my version. You know, honestly, that's I'm sure it wasn't that. But in my mind, that's the way it is, because, you know, uh, you look at the Orville and it's very much an homage to to Star Trek and, and well, the way Star Trek does things. So you do you do know that they were actually going to do a um, prime video uh, series of Galaxy Quest until Alan Rickman died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really sad. Yeah, I they were that, working yeah. on it. So yeah. I guess the Orville was, you know, the, the successor of that, the right the prodigal son as it were the lucky winner of the short straw uh, you know, and it's funny is like i i've always loved the movie but now as a mom I, re- I and this sounds ridiculous i actually relate to alan rickman's character so much more as a mom 
because he is so stinking sick of saying by Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> and, and the look on his face, I'm like, it's like any mom when my, their kid's like, hey, mom, look at this. Uh-huh, yeah, I see it. Hey, mom, look by at this. Grabthar's I, hammer, what a savings. When they're doing the store thing. Yeah. The, the, the look on his face, though, is such a parent look with the... It is. I saw it. I told you it was cool. So interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. So interestingly, uh, Alan Rickman and Tim Allen, Alan Rickman did not get along with Tim Allen. He was very annoyed with Tim Allen, and that fit perfectly because he literally just did that. Can can you say top cast? Yeah, yeah. There's, so yeah, there's Kathleen a thing. just mentioned one of the things. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, yeah. So Kathleen just mentioned, you know, she he's like, yeah, he even got to punch him, and I love that in the end of the movie where you know he's like, you used to pull your punches, and he's like, well, you know, it fit the scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the, I think the term was actually you called me a talentless hack. There it is. Yes, <laughs> that is it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I if you watch the documentary, there's um there's a, a a piece of information that I learned from that that I find really interesting and, and a little funny is when um <clears throat> when the commander is telling uh Balthazar he's been um I think he's he's been tortured in this scene. Um and the director and the producer and everybody was really concerned about him doing a serious scene because apparently he was a joke- Tim Allen. Yeah, Tim Allen. So he he, he was a joker uh, of the <laughs> of the of the mm-hmm. group, and and this is very important because this was a very um, you know strong emotional dramatic scene, scene yeah. emotional scene. So they wanted to make sure yeah. that he conveys that. Um, and, and I find it so funny every time I hear it, where he he's actually did a great job in that scene to the point where he actually goes on saying. Uh, he's going to go to his trailer because, you know, that took a lot out of him uh, emotionally. So he was like teary eye. He was feeling the, the, the scene. And I think Alan Rickman said, you know, he just experienced acting. So that, that shows. <laughs> that, that, I laugh right now, but that shows how they were interacting, you know, how they didn't like each other and how I think, you know, eventually they, 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 they grew together. But it, it kind of shows the interaction they had uh, on on scene, when you go out on record and say something like that, <laughs> well, it was one of those perfect storm sort of movies in that it was originally going to be um, uh, directed by Harold Ramis, who played Egon in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And um, just just as an aside, I really enjoyed Ghostbusters Afterlife. I saw it a couple of days ago, and it was a fantastic addition to the canon. Um, so if you haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, from a Ghostbusters fan from 1980, when I saw it originally at the cinema and loved it to bits and listened to the soundtrack for like the whole summer, um, I, I highly recommend it. You should go and see Ghostbusters Afterlife. And we should probably do it on the show because that, that's lots of science in that as well. As well as ghosts and stuff like that. But uh, I digress. So anyway, um, uh, Ramus was supposed to be director and he ended up leaving the project. When they cast um, uh, Tim Allen, uh, he didn't want Tim Allen 
as as the lead and he didn't think that he could you know direct Tim Allen to to make a good movie of it and that's why he stepped down uh but um they'd had they they lost their director they had Tim Allen cast as the late main lead and nobody else cast and they're like what the hell do we do now uh, and it all just sort of fell together for them. Sigourney Weaver had always wanted to play a more frivolous character because, you know, obviously Ripley's, you know, super serious and mm-hmm. has been through hell and, and all that sort of stuff. And she never, she hardly ever cracks a smile in, in any of the movies she's in. And um, she wanted to play something frivolous. And they actually said, oh, I don't think we can cast you, Sigourney, because um, we want, nobody's been in, in um, uh, sci-fi before. And she's like, well... I've never been in sci-fi like this. I've always been serious. And this character is super not serious. And I'll have a blonde wig and additional boobage and it'll be good. And they finally gave in and let it, let her on, on, take the, the part, you know, so it all sort of fell together. Um, luckily uh, into the ensemble cast that we ended up with. And mm-hmm. there was so many things in that documentary where they were saying, if it had just decisions had just gone the other way, for example, they had the sets three quarters done and they were done in that 1960s, you know, um, cardboard wall, everything looks cheap and, and artificial style. And um, the director walked through there, uh, Dean uh, Prescott, he walked through and went, this just isn't going to cut it. It's supposed to look real because it is real. Uh, and, and the same for the, the, um, the uh, other effects. Everything needed to look real when it wasn't shown on a small screen because it is real. So they actually went and redid all the sets and made them look as good as they possibly could um, to, to get cool. that feel of you've stepped out of acting and into, this is real. And it had to, pro- had to uh, show that within the the set design and the costume design and, and all that and i mean the 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 act the actor who played the head of the thermians um well, who was that um, enrico enrico yeah. yeah um he he they weren't even getting they weren't even sure they were going to give him the part and he came up with the the way the thermians talked and the way they moved and everything and they're like Wow, that's great. Can we use that? And they haven't even given in the part. And they're like, oh, we want to use that. Well, do I get the part then? <laughs> so they hadn't even decided. But yeah, he got the part and he trained all the others to be Thermians. And you can actually see if you if you watch, like, obviously you're supposed to be focused on the people in the foreground, the actors in the foreground. If you watch the, the extras in the background trying to do the Thermian marionette walk, some of them have just got no clue and it actually adds to it because it's funnier. It's interesting because after the fact, I, after I learned of that, I actually watched the movie again and you can kind of, you know, see it. it it's just, it just adds to, to the fun of watching the movie. It's just so funny. There's one woman with a terrible bobcat walking through the background and you can see the look at her face is, what the fuck am I doing with my life? This is <laughs> Isn't that how everybody walks through life? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> speaking speaking of, of of that phrase right there, uh, one of the one of the things I love is that there's the scene where they're they're uh, Sigourney and Tim Allen are going through the the bowels of the ship and they're trying to get down, and Ooh, they come that. out and around the corner. It, w- yeah, she says "f that" in real life, yeah. and they mouth you know, and, and if you read her lips, she's not saying "screw that." Mm-mm. Um, no. yeah. So yeah, Sigourney said F that. And then they had her, they redubbed it and just kept the shot in of her saying, screw that. 
Well, that was another one of those lucky decisions because the um, it was it was Christmas time. The Rugrats movie had just been released, and it was it was making huge amounts of money. And um, uh, DreamWorks decided, oh, we've got to we've got to tone it down so we can get the kids in there. And and DreamWorks were looking at, a, at aiming it from eight to thirteen year olds, but obviously. None of them had watched Star Trek particularly much. It, it was it was it was a love letter to people much older than eight to thirteen. Mm-hmm. But they that that was one of the things where they you know they had to lose. Apparently they'd swarm all the way through the movie and they had to cut it so that they cut out the swearing and and that was one they couldn't cut so they dubbed it. And it it's actually on another level amusing because that's the sort of thing you see in in television shows when they go to another country they cut stuff um perfect example is a leader battle angel um the the one f-bomb that you're allowed in pg-13 is you know when when she sticks a fist in garishka's eye and goes fuck your mercy which i think is a fantastic line wasn't it, it's it's not in any other version of the story and i just think it's great and um they actually they actually dubbed over that uh in in some countries so it's it's a thing that happens. I think it was great that they left it just like that on purpose. So because I think it adds, you know, to to the uh, to how funny this movie is, where you can you know you actually clearly say you can see that she's not saying what you can hear she say, and, and I right. think that's clever. That's actually very clever. Yeah, that was one of those things where I. I I read about that and I was like, no, that's not true. And then I had to go look up the, the scene mm-hmm. and I, you know, pulled the movie up, got to the scene. Huh. Yeah. That's what happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just after that, it's beautiful when they, when they press the um, stop self-destruct button and it keeps counting down, they're like, did we do something wrong? And they're just there holding each other, waiting for it to go. Off. It gets to one second and stops. It goes, Oh yeah, it always did that on the show. It stopped <laughs> always stopped at one second. <laughs> they were just early. That's all, you know. Yeah, they were because <laughs> they had help. <laughs> oh man, and that scene—that oh, scene is also very funny when they're calling uh, the character Justin Sloan's character, and he's not responding. It's like. They depend on this guy. They're going to die. And they cut to his, his uh, scene and he's taking out the trash. <laughs> Mom, I can't tell you how bad your timing is. <laughs> and I love it too. Just, you know, a couple minutes later, he's coming down. He's got like arms full of like, where did you find all these, these fireworks? Like, seriously, this kid has like, he's got an arm full of fireworks. Mm-hmm. Where are you and he tries to explain to his mother, you know, how fast the ship's coming in from outer space and they can't slow down. And they're going to have to have some form of uh, visual identification of where's a safe place to land and doing all this stuff. And she's like, OK, dinner's on at seven. You're like, you know, mom's just completely, you know, whatever. He's in, he's enjoying his sci fi. <laughs> I like the fact that um, the father turns to her and says, um, um, do you think that's OK? And she says. Well, at least he's outside, and the father's <laughs> right. Goes back to reading his paper. It's such a '90s parenting moment with the. Eh. Oh look, it, it, it's 2022 as well. Getting my son to go outside is a is a great difficulty. Mm. <laughs> See, in the summer, it's hard to get my daughter to come back inside, but that's a whole. A... Other... 
well, as a gentle child. Well, if they had outside, my son would be out there, but they don't, right. so he isn't. <laughs> as, a, as a Gen X child, I completely identify with that whole thing. Well, at least he went outside, you know. They, yes. You know. So what if he loses his hand? He'll lose it outside. He'll be fine. My husband's so. the same way because the number of times that his mom would be like, well, I need you to do this right now. I'm in the middle of an MMO. It doesn't pause. I don't care. It's like, but it doesn't <laughs> pause. <laughs> I get that from my wife now. <laughs> right? I'm trying to, I, if I see him doing something, I'll be like, hey, is that something that can pause or not? And then it'll be the, well, yeah, it can. I'm like, okay, so I need you to pause it. <laughs> I try to, I try to be nice occasionally. Oh, understanding your children's co- um, context is very important to show that you respect them. Same goes for husbands, but that doesn't happen. Oh, yeah, no, totally husbands too. <laughs> it's more of the showing my daughter that I respect my husband so that she realizes that mom and dad respect each other. You should respect mom and dad too. Like, can we can we work this both ways? But she's yeah. three. She's complicated. <laughs> Awesome. I, I I just gotta point out like the, some of the similarities that this movie has with um, with Star Trek. Um, one of the one of the scenes that I remember the first time that I saw, and and I don't know if you got you guys let me know if you noticed this or if you if you felt the same way as I did. Uh, the the fight scene on that planet with a rock. Um, Character, uh, Greg Nack, Greg Nack, that you know the whole scene. Granted, it's not exactly the same, but it reminds me of that Gorn fight with Captain Kirk. Well, yeah, that's what it was meant to do. Yeah, loss of the shirt, and you know the. I see you managed to lose your shirt. You, you know, actually, he was meant to be shirtless for the rest of the movie, and he said, "No, I'm not doing it." <laughs> That's why that shirt just appeared in the in the um, digitizer room. It's kind That's of funny, funny how the, the the shirt was magically there, you know, after the scene was over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, this this is all all kinds of fun. That this this movie. Um. Yeah, it's. It's, it's one of those that uh, I, I like, and I mean no disrespect when I say this. To me, this is actually a, a high compliment when I say this. I, I love things that I call background movies. It's a movie that I can put on. I can walk out of the room. I can do what I need to do. I can come back in, and I, and I don't feel like I've lost anything. I, you know, I, I know exactly where I'm at in the movie. Like it can play in the background and allows me to do other things, but I can still enjoy the movie. So for me, background movies, you know, like, like Star Wars, you know, pick a star wars it doesn't really matter which one those are background movies to me those are things that i can i can put on i can watch i can walk out of the room i can you know you know marvel movies a lot of them are, are that way for me there are some that i have to sit down and pay attention to but but still I, this galaxy quest to me is a background movie i can i can have it on i can be doing a couple different things here there around the house and i can come back in and i can pick up right where you know the next part of the scene and, and not feel like i've lost anything and still enjoy the movie and I actually really like movies like that because it is the, well, I don't want to necessarily watch this scene, but, or this part of the movie bores me, I'm going to go do whatever. But then you like hear the music change. You're like, wait, no, I like that scene. I'm going back for that one. I do that with, with Galaxy Quest and Princess Bride and Robin Hood Men in Tights. And Those to find like, out, hmm? 
and to find out you never actually get the thing you want to get done because you actually just sat and watched the whole movie. Well, and yeah. You just get up and go, but you come back real quick. And... Or the George of the Jungle movie with Brendan Fraser is one of the other ones that I'll just put on in the background. <laughs> Ursula, you dropped your scrunchie. <laughs> There's only one scene in that whole movie that I like, and the rest of the Seriously? movie annoys me. Yeah. Oh There's my only gosh, one scene of the whole it's the it's the eating of the coffee grounds. Chuff, 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 chuff. Just because it's a fun sound bite. <laughs> I, I come I kinda wonder what at you know, what part of the movie makes it what you describe this movie as being a background movie? Is it the the good writing that allows you to follow the movie even though you missed certain portions of it? Or is it the fact that you have watched it so many times. Um, I mean, I'm just speaking to myself because I've seen this sure. movie so many times. Mm -hmm. um, what What do you think, in your particular opinion, makes this movie that background movie? Is it the writing that is well enough that you can pick the scenes and not and understand the entire movie missing scenes, or is it because you watch this movie so many times? Well. Uh, for me, typically a background movie is something that I've I've watched a number of times and there's some level of an emotional attachment to because I, I have an enjoyment with that movie or there's a memory attached to that movie or, or something along those lines. Uh, for Galaxy Quest, it, it's it's the combination of I like the story and I've watched it so many times. So it, it's it's something that I can, for me, that's the, that's typically where I come in with a background movie. Um, you know, there, there's, it, it, like I said, it's got to be uh, an emotional attachment. There's got to be uh, a memory attached to it, or there's a certain level of enjoyment that I get out of that movie that maybe has nothing to do with those other two things. Um, right. But it allows me to keep coming back to it over and over again, where I never feel tired of having watched it. Like, I watched Galaxy Quest again today. You know, in, in prep for for coming mm -hmm. on tonight, and I still got quotes wrong, and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'll, I'll probably watch it again later this week because, you know, the movie to me is just that funny. And again, as a background movie, it's something I can do while I'm sitting here because I'm at my office right now. This I, my recording studio is here at the office. I'll sit here while I'm I'm designing shirts and logos for people. And I'll be doing that kind of stuff. And I'll have, a, you know, I have a, a second monitor right here where I play movies on and, and things like that. So a lot of times it's Star Wars. A lot of times it's, you know, I'll, I'll have something in the, uh, from the MCU on. I'll have something along those lines. I guarantee you this week I'll be watching, I'll be watching Galaxy Quest again. And the, yeah, the, that's the reason why I ask, and I'm going to ask Catherine the same question as well. Uh, and that's the reason why I ask is, is to get a little bit more understanding on, on, what it is to be a background movie. Yeah. I think I, I'm I'm on the same page as Tim with the I have good memories of watching the movie. It's a fun movie. I've watched it enough times that I can quote scenes or I can say lines before characters do in scenes. And it is one of those they there's a there's a common thing with people who have anxiety that they will go back and watch the same TV show or the same movie over and over because it's calming to their brain because they know what's going to happen in it. They know what that, that show is not going to change. It's a consistency thing. And Tim and I are both anxious people. We can't help it. I have not watched The Office over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Everyone's just like, everyone's just like Guy. Hey, don't open that. 
It's an alien planet. Is there air? You don't know. <laughs> and then the way that he does is like, <gasps> seems all right. <laughs> but I mean, I do that with I do that with movies. I do that with Doctor Who with um, yeah. How I Met Your Mother, The Office shows that I know that I I'm so called out here. <laughs> that are consistent. They are those stories are not going to change. And I can start them up and not pay attention to them, but come back and feel that I'm still in a safe spot because that episode is still the same. And that's that same thing with, with comfort movies with Galaxy Quest is the that movie's gonna end the same way every time. Yeah. The same jokes are gonna be made, the same stunts are gonna happen. And it gets to the point where you've seen it so many times that you're comfortable with it. And I will frequently, if I'm cleaning my kitchen or I'm doing dishes, I will have my tablet running with a TV show playing. And it's the, I'm still focused on dishes, but I can be like, oh, wait, no, I like that scene and watch it and then go back. And it is that, that it's background noise, but it's happy, consistent background noise. Familiarity. Jumping in and out of. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's the air of familiarity where you're not feeling like you have to be tied to something, you know, where if it's a new movie or a movie I haven't seen very often or, or very much of, you know, um, like like tomorrow, if the, the new Batman movie were to come out on, on HBO Max, which is not going to for a couple couple of weeks to a month, I think yet. But if that were to come out tomorrow. I, that would not be a background movie because I'd want to sit back down and, and, you know, really pay attention to it and make sure that I was understanding all the all the little bits and pieces of it so that I, I knew what was going on. Um, but, you know, but the dark galaxy, night. but the dark night. Yeah, I could put on and, you know, uh, walk out like, oh, OK, this is an unimportant scene. I'll come back and, you know, for, you know, the next scene. Mm-hmm. Joker stabs the pencil into somebody's eye, but you know that's that's different. Best scene of the entire movie. Love that movie. But, awesome. Yeah, no, it's. I, well, like I was I was, ca- I was catching up watching it again last night um, while I was lifting weights. So yeah, I get that you don't have to you know give it a hundred percent attention and still follow along with it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's definitely on my list of feel good movies where. I don't know what to watch. Okay, I'll just throw this on. Right. It's the fun of it. Yeah. I do that with a lot of shows. I have Diagnosis Murder on DVD because of that. Because I can go through and be like, I want to watch that episode. But I, I wonder what what Dad would um, what would happen on this if a TV show ever gets made. Because now it's going to become, it's going to be. Part it has. Of- it's called the Oldville. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did mention, you know, about a year ago, uh, Tim Allen was talking about how there was, even though Alan Rickman had passed, they were going to do a Galaxy Quest two, and that a script had been written, and he called. He said it was quite a lovely script. I haven't heard anything since then. I don't know what's going on with it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's. Actually, if it's actually ever going to happen, if, if it's actually ever going to come to pass. And I actually, in some respects, I kind of hope that they don't make it. Because, yeah. you know, I, the thing that I I'm always that. worried about is, like, if they were, you know, a couple months ago or six months ago, I think it was, there was a big push to remake Princess Bride. 
Oh no! And I'm like, and I'm like, no, please don't, no, please don't, don't, don't touch it, no. Um, you know, and it'd be the same thing, honestly, with this. I worry about somebody making, and this is probably where my uh, um, general anxiety disorder kicks in, is that I worry about them touching and 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 messing up the things that that I know, that I love, that that I have familiarity with, you know. And then because then, what if it's not as good, right? What if the sequel sucks? Yeah, you're right. Exactly. You don't mess yeah. with something that's damn near perfect. Exactly. exactly. And that was that was actually one of the quotes that I saw used against the argument for for Princess Bride remake. It's actually a Princess Bride quote that people used. With the yeah. there's a shortage of perfect breasts in the world, it would be a pity to damage yours. <laughs> there's a shortage of perfect movies. Don't touch it. Yeah, actually, I, I, I think. Wesley, the, uh, played by Carrie, I never say his last name right. Is Els? Els? Yeah, we'll say Els. Um, sorry, Carrie, pretty sure I screwed up your last name. But if we he, get him on our used, show, he'll tell us yeah. how to say it. Exactly. But he used that quote from the movie, you know, there's a shortage of perfect movies. It'd be a, it'd be a shame to, you know, damage this one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he was very much against it. And, and other cast members are very much against, you know, anybody touching that movie. And God, I hope they don't touch that movie. Anyway. Andy Pinkin was pretty outspoken about it, too. Yeah. Unless it was so... the Muppets. Okay. I, that's the one caveat. <laughs> I, will, I, will, <laughs> I would totally watch... I would totally watch a Muppets version of this with, like, two so, humans in it. So, so, you, want, you, so you want Fraggle Quest with the, with the uh, crew from um, uh, Pigs in Space? Yeah. I, I could I could do that. You give me Fraggle Rock with yeah yeah Galaxy Quest Fraggle Quest. Oh my god, that would be brilliant. Yeah. I could I could watch that all day. The homage yeah. of homage. Oh my god, tie in Fraggle Rock. But a Muppet remake would be better. Yes, if you're going to remake a movie, Muppet make it. That's fine. Especially if, if it's Princess Bride, it has to be the big brown dude. I can't remember his name, but he has to be the brute squad. He has to be Andre the Giant's oh, character. Yeah. Sweetums. Yeah, Sweetums. Thank you. Yeah. First. Yeah. Absolutely. There's so many cool th- cool ways you could do this with with Muppets. But like, I I would want the the Muppet cast, but then still Mandy Patinkin in as Inigo Montoya, even though he's old now. It would still be it's still Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> I think Gonzo could do a good Inigo Montoya. Oh, he could. That would be fun. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. I can deal with that. You kill my father! Prepare to die! <laughs> awesome. See, the only problem I would have with a Muppet remake of that is that Piggy that would then be Buttercup. And yeah. Piggy's too piggy for that like she could be a uh, uh, princess or yeah princess humperdinck and then like have like it flipped kind of thing oh interesting how <laughs> oh, gender swap the whole cast that would be trippy i just i just want to see kermit as a dread pirate roberts and have him trying to <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Kermy. Anyway. <laughs> well, you sort of have that it's in the <laughs> 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 And again, somehow the Funny Science Fiction Podcast 
goes sidetracks a whole conversation. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, they, the funny science fiction podcast just took over science fiction remnant. <laughs> Without trying, I'd like it. to point out it just happened. It was not intentional. I it's just, love it. It's just can, it's can, kind can of I our jam. Us, it's what we do. Can I drag us back to the movie for a minute? I wanted to to make one. Oh, point. fine, <laughs> whatever. It's your show. Do what you want. <laughs> well, it's the tone of Galaxy Quest that I really find quite amazing because you you have a lot of movies that have one. They're like one-trick ponies, and you you get you know it's either it's either grungy or it's it's silly or you know they, they they have a theme and they just run with it. This movie bounces between comedy, drama, um, mm-hmm. science fiction, uh, love story. Uh, it, it, Action. it goes everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it does it so well. And you never know what the next scene's going to hold. And it's one of those sort of, oh, what's going to happen next? Because, uh, you know, a lot of movies, once you pick the tone, it's like, yeah, it's going to be like this. And it invariably is like that. And that's just the way it is. And it's amazing that they, they there was an original script going around uh, that the, the only thing they took from it was, um, how would the actors react if they ended up in the real situation from their iconic show? That was the only thing they took from that script. And actually, the guy who wrote the, the screenplay for this wasn't allowed to read the original script. They said, just take that premise and run with it. And it, certain things like the, the, the way they did the sets flip-flopped around, but it all fell into place in the end. And it's that tonal variation in in each scene that makes it really interesting. I mean, the when... Um, Alan Rickman's character spends the entire movie hating his tagline. Mm-hmm. And then when the guy who modeled himself after his TV characters yeah, dying, when Quellick's dying, he, he's like, he gets, you know, he, he gets his, he gets his Shakespeare on and he gives mm-hmm. him that quiet rendition of the line. And he actually means it for the first time ever. Yeah, and then he goes out there and kicks the shit out of the, <laughs> out of the bad guys for him. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty and enjoyable. It, that's Agreed. one of the great things that I love about this movie is it he goes everywhere, and he mm-hmm. does yeah. it well. You know, got his hair coming out from underneath his cap, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's yeah. just gone hawk on this on this whole you know. Uh, corridor of aliens and they're like trying to hold him back at the end out rickman comes around the corner he's like <laughs> and then like grabbing him and dragging him back. no thermians can deal with it he's done he's done <laughs> <laughs> uh, i kind of love it when they say was that at the end they said uh don't mind him he's british <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. It, it's another example of really tight um, screenwriting. Like, um, if you if you look at the difference, this is jumping tracks, something shocking. But if you look at the difference between the original Ghostbusters and the remake of Ghostbusters in 2016, um, which is by comparison a terrible movie, I've got to admit. Uh, but if you look at the way um, some of the scenes are written, the writing in the original Ghostbusters is so tight. And, and they, they use a combination of, of um, spoken words and just actions and movements. And the, the elevator scene in Ghostbusters where they turn on the... the um, uh, oh, we've got to unlicense 
um, nuclear particle accelerator strapped to our backs. You know the one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he flicks the switch and it goes, and they all sort of just <laughs> try to make space in the elevator and get away from it. That scene is, uh, I think it's 26 seconds long. In in uh, the the remake, it was like five and a half minutes to do the same thing. And I'm just talking about the, the eloquence and and the the way that that Ghostbusters was written to to do so much with with the minimum amount. It happens the same in Galaxy Quest. Everything's written so tightly. It all mm-hmm. flows. There's no what the moments. There's no well mm-hmm. that doesn't link. That doesn't make sense. And, and as a writer myself, I really appreciate when something is well written, and this is well written. Agreed. Awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a tightly written movie. It flows very well. The character and the casting adds to that. And when you have a, a nicely written story with a with a perfectly cast movie, you know you're going to get good things, and that's why we have the movie we have. So, mm-hmm. awesome, excellent. Um, should we move on to the sure? Let's go ahead and move on to the last segment. And no, I'm not reading his mind. There's a there's a oh, private so chat, so we, we know what's going on. Okay. So, what do we have, Ray? Well, actually, this this movie is a little bit tricky in coming up with technologies that that are clearly influencing what's being worked on today or what has been produced. Um, because all of the, the the props and everything that they were using was so generic and nothing was touched on with any great detail that um, unlike movies like um, uh, Logan's Run, where you could see some really obvious technologies there that, that we're seeing in use now um, or, or are coming into use now, there's nothing really in Galaxy Quest that stands out as a technology that, that human beings are uh, sort of aspiring to. So I thought... As this is a homage to to Star Trek and a number of other science fiction properties that are similar, I thought I'd go for the whole homage angle uh, with um, 11 ideas that went from science fiction to reality as an in in general uh, statement. This is actually from space.com. Obviously, uh, the mobile phone, the flip phone from uh, original Star Trek, uh, the, the communicators. Uh, the Universal Translator, um, which is something that, that people have longed for for a long time when traveling. Uh, and now with Google Translate, and I, I believe there's an earbud now that you can get. Yeah. You just pop in your ear and it will listen to conversations and translate them into your preferred language and, and give you a quick rundown. It's not perfect, of course, um, translation being what it is and things being lost in it. Uh, but at least you get some idea of what's being spoken to you rather than standing there scratching your head and making strange hand gestures that don't always mean the same thing in the same country. (laughs) Uh, Teleportation. Now, this one's a bit dodgy because the only thing human beings have actually managed to teleport are photons. Um, So we've got a little ways to go from a photon to a whole person. But uh, we can actually teleport photons um, uh, thanks to uh, quantum entanglement. So uh, that is something that is being worked on right now, and hopefully uh, we'll get to the point where it's you know more functional than than just um, uh, than just moving moving uh, little uh, uh, photon particles around. Three D holograms. Obviously, the uh, most well known three D hologram was uh, Princess Leia being projected by R two D two on Tatooine in the original Star Wars, and. Uh, 
uh, Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah has created a real hologram in 2018. Um, and it kind of works like an Etch-a-Sketch toy, but it uses particles at, at very high speeds. Um, and obviously lasers are involved because lasers are cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one, that's one that's... Exactly. All good plans involve lasers. Oh, no, hang on, that was explosives, my bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why not uh, Exactly. Uh, so uh, bionic limbs, uh, obviously uh, Star Wars Episode Five: Empire Strikes Back, when um, Luke's getting his new, new uh, forearm and uh, hand at the end of the movie. Yep, that one. Uh, that is obviously being worked on at the moment. Um, Tilly Lockie, who uh, was involved with the um, red carpet in the UK of uh, Alita Battle Angel, received two bionic uh, forearms from um, uh, Cameron and Rodriguez uh, as part of the uh, uh, part of the, the movement of um, uh, cyber technology, uh, and she's now an advocate for. Um, uh, the uh, you know knowledge and awareness of uh, cyber limbs as um, replacements for lost limbs, and uh, that's coming along quite well. There's been some some jumps in technology there in the last five years. Uh, digital billboards, obviously, Blade Runner is a big um, uh, source of uh, interest for giant digital billboards, which we have seen uh, increasingly used. Uh, you know, on freeway overpasses and things like that these days. You you probably can't drive too far in the U.S. without seeing one. And obviously, you know, billboards have been around for a long time, but actually having a digital billboard that can change what's displayed on there means that you can get many more advertisements um, than you would with just, you know, sticking something up there and walking away. So, you know, that works from both the advertiser's perspective and, um, you know, making it big and uh, interactive with a bit of movement. Of course, they can't have too much movement, or you distract the eye from the driver, and that could be could be very bad. It's like a big, big, mo- uh, a big cell phone, you know, distracting you as you're driving. Uh, artificial intelligence from Blade Runner, uh, obviously the replicants. Um, that's being worked on at the moment, um, and they're training. Uh, astronomers have been training AI to detect exoplanets, so the AIs are now finding new planets for us. Whether or not we get to claim them or the AIs will claim them is another thing entirely. Uh, And a a couple from uh, one of uh, Robert's favourite movies, which is 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is Space Stations. Um, If you've had a look at the designs on YouTube for the space station that Elon Musk is planning, very reminiscent of the space station in 2001 A Space Odyssey, including the the, um, uh, rotating gravity. Oh, I thought you were going to say the computer system as well that they're copying over. Let's not have that one. I don't like that one very much. It gets confused too easily. Sorry, spoilers. We're all about Sorry, spoilers. Sorry, I can't do that. No, that's right. Hello, uh, yeah, computer. This... Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Computer, computer. Um, so tablets from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, I believe that uh, 2001 Space Odyssey was the first instance of uh, tablets um, in in science fiction. Uh, they were used in Star Trek, but they were used in Star Trek later on. So 2001 pips Star Trek for that, although Star Trek pips 2001 for which one was produced first. So 
there's that one. Uh, and hoverboards from Back to the Future Part 2. Now, hover, they do have working hoverboards, but unfortunately, you can't run them over normal ground. Uh, they have to be run over huge uh, copper arenas, which produce uh, a magnetic field. So the two magnetic fields bounce off each other um, and um, keep the, the hoverboard aloft. So we do have hoverboards, but they're only in limited places. And they're actually looking at using that technology uh, in uh, moving pallets around in warehouses because the warehouse floor would, would have the copper flooring required to, to produce the anti-gravity. And then you'd have the, the sort of a hover pallet controller, robotic pallet controller moving the, the pallets around um, using um, anti-gravity technology. So that's pretty cool. Uh, driverless cars, Total Recall, the original um, from 1990, uh, had the um, uh, Johnny Cab. Everybody remembers the Johnny Cab? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, um, uh, Teslas and, and the driverless cars uh, probably sourced from there. So uh, that was would, would have been a big influence from that one. So there's uh, 11 technologies that are being worked on or are in use today that uh, came from science fiction. Interesting. There you go. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. And um, I guess that brings us to the end of the show. And uh, I really want to thank you guys for coming over. I, I, I was on your show. I have a lot of fun. And, and I am so glad that I was able to bring you over here and we have the same level of fun in our show. So I, I really, really want to thank you for that. Um, again, for well, all those for who are us. listening. I'm sorry? I have, I have so, one more. I have one more just before just before we go on. Um, so I was thinking about you know if the TV show was in the eighties, so that the the TV signals were leaving. This is in the movie in in Galaxy Quest. Were leaving from the eighties and spreading out. How far would those signals have gotten to come into contact with the Thermians, right? And I thought, ah, oh, no, it couldn't have possibly got far enough to be in a vaguely inhabitable area of the galaxy where the Thermians could have evolved and 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 have seen them. I was wrong. Trappist-1. Has anybody heard of that uh, planetary system? No. Trappist-1? No. Uh, we see, I have a son who's, who's mad keen about space. So uh, Trappist-1 is a, a system of seven planets, all roughly Earth size, orbiting a red dwarf star, and it's about 40 light years away. 40 light years is how far the uh, signals from 1982 to 2022 would have travelled. The nice. TV show signals. So if, if there's Thermians on, on Trappist-1, they can now see what's what was happening in 1982 tv on earth that is really <laughs> if cool. they have if they can pick up the signal so there you go it's unlikely historical but documents that's right <laughs> <laughs> so they'll be watching they'll be watching night rider and um magnum pi and <laughs> yeah star trek yeah <laughs> original Battlestar galactica buck rogers <laughs> nice nice so thank you so much um, for coming in our show. Um, if, if you guys, for all of you, you guys are listening. If you have not listened to funny science, science fiction podcast, you should go and listen now. Um, it, I had a lot of fun in there and I have fun every time I listen to them. So thank you so much for coming in our show. Um, if you thank you just one more time, if you want to, you know, let everybody know where they can find you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you can check and you can catch Nick, Kathleen, and I. I'm Tim. Hi. I, I is Tim. Uh, you can catch Nick, Kathleen, and I on Funny Science Fiction every Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our live show. And then every Friday morning, we have a pre-recorded show that will come out not only on our YouTube channel, uh, but also on um wherever you get your your favorite audio podcast providers like Apple, Spotify, Google. I could go down the list, but I think everybody, everybody knows what I mean there. Uh, and then, of course, you can find us on any of your uh, social medias uh, with the user handle at Funny Sci-Fi. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, and I just really hope that you guys can come back for future episodes. I'm sure we can. Awesome. Thank you so much. And um, you guys, see you later. Bye. Bye.